0: Welcome to FEPS Talks, the podcast series of the Foundation for European Progressive Studies. Find out more about us on feps-europe.eu. Hello, everybody, and welcome to FEPS Talks, the podcast of the Foundation for European Progressive Studies. My name is François Balat, and today I have the pleasure to welcome Alfonso Aliberti to discuss about the Erasmus generation. Alfonso, hello. How are you? Hi,
1: François. Thanks for inviting me to this interesting discussion about the Erasmus generation.
0: Thank you very much for joining us. So, Alfonso is uh, an expert on the matter in different ways. First and foremost, he is a member of, uh, if we can say, a member of the Erasmus generation, uh, having experienced the program hands-on. And then, for several years, has been very active in civil society to advocate for improvements and developments of the program, being a policy and advocacy team leader at the European Youth Forum for. A couple of years and leading the work on the Erasmus program and now Alfonso works at the executive agency of the European Commission in charge of the program so I think With these three hats, he has a a multifaceted understanding of the program and what it means for young people and for the European project. Alphonse, so to start the discussion today, I would like to refer to a a piece that was published a few weeks ago in in the European media that was uh, basically highlighting that the Erasmus generation was remaining behind the scene and that there was a call to bring in more uh, young people, the Erasmus generation, at the table and to be with more political responsibility Do you agree with that? And what does that Erasmus generation mean for you? No,
1: I would start saying no, I don't agree with that. Because indeed, the Erasmus generation nowadays includes people that are also not young, because it started back in the 80s. So actually, we're not only talking about young people now. Uh, The Erasmus generation is now made of people of very different ages. To come back to your statement, I don't think that the Erasmus generation remains behind the scene. Actually, it's young people that are yet behind the scene, but this for a number of reasons. So your statement, it sounds more like young people are not involved enough in formal politics. I would say we know by data and research that young people are very much involved in the political scene through uh, civil society, participating in uh, discussions, social movements. We all know that. I mean, just mentioning uh, young people going in the street to fight for a better future. We all know that, but still we don't see enough people involved in political parties or in anything that it's more formal politics. And just to say, yes, I'm part of the Erasmus generation, but I wouldn't say I'm a member. So just to reassure the the others, you don't need a card to be part of this Erasmus generation. You just need to participate in a mobility
0: program. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Alfonso, for highlighting the connection with uh, youth participation and, and to policymaking. There is a big endeavor when it comes to democratic participation nowadays no, right now taking place, which is the Conference on the Future of Europe. Do you see young people be, being
1: active in this field? Well, I would say that young people are not less active than other parts of the population in this in this exercise. I would even say that they are more interested in that. I mean, the, the last year, report shows that young people are still very much interested about EU politics. And we also saw, well, it was already a while ago, the, the elections in 2019, that young people went out to vote more than other parts of, of the population. So in a way, yes, I see a good involvement of young people in this exercise. But in general, we might say that there is a general lack of involvement by old citizens into this. It's still not enough. known. so the same goes with young people, even though, again, I would see them more involved than other age groups in this exercise.
0: I see. So there is some kind of barriers that we can see in, in the participation, not only of young people, but overall citizens uh, in, into democratic life. And coming back to the, the question of Erasmus more specifically, we all agree that Erasmus is probably one of the biggest success of the European project. 30 years of experience, millions of people involved and, and so on. And you I said, it's not only young people, but it's been there for, for such a long time. And in June earlier, the, the vice president, Margaret Skinas, who is in charge of the so-called European way of life, which might deserve an entire podcast on what that means, uh, made uh, the following statement. From 2027, our only goal is that the Erasmus program is not an option, but the fundamental right of all Europeans. Do you think access to Erasmus is not a right so far? What does that mean?
1: Well, let me first agree with this statement, meaning that who couldn't agree to actually make sure that an opportunity like the Erasmus would be open to all young people beyond their social and economic status. So, so far, what we know is that young people want to take part into mobility programs such as the Erasmus program. So a Eurobarometer of 2019, it's two years ago, but I don't have more recent data on this specific one, It says that 40% of young people consider to go abroad for volunteering, for studying, training. And actually, one in three young people have had this opportunity already. But the majority that is not taking part, it says that it doesn't because of financial means, social and economic barriers to it. So I would say that young people want to go, but there is barriers to it. And it's more linked to barriers created by the society. So socioeconomic barriers first.
0: I see. So we come back to, the, to this question of, of, of the barriers for, for people to access the, those elements. And your data from 2019 might give a, a proper picture of the, it's a normal period of mobility because I can as, assume that since 2020, mobility schemes slightly changed due to the current uh, pandemic. But you mentioned this need for more to reduce those barriers, to for more means to support a, a larger number of young people to engage in those programs. And, you know, considering the success of Erasmus, the past commission, the Juncker Commission, and now uh, the Wunderland. Lion have also tried their own let's say youth flagship program in it was 2017 if I recall correctly uh, when Jean-Claude Juncker announced the European Solidarity Corps and now uh, last year uh, this year Von der Leyen presented the Alma program like they really want their uh, their youth program and again no, we're going to enter the French presidency. And we hear that the French presidency of the Council wants to bring more initiative for young people. If you read the coalition agreement in Germany, they announced for more support to Erasmus when it comes to further investment. So is there a, a frontier for all these new youth programs? What's the horizon? And are youth program Erasmus-like program the, the silver bullet for youth participation and the key to maintain the, the European project afloat? Well, it
1: is indeed uh, correct that there is an attention to, you know, promoting new youth programs. Uh, you mentioned the European Solidarity Corps. There were more investment on the youth programs for the current multi-annual financial framework. But actually, I wouldn't see it like a, a silver bullet from policy makers. but it's rather they realize that they need to do something for young people. I mean, young people are the age group is the age group that has been most hardly hit by the COVID pandemic. I mean, there is a very recent uh, study from Eurofund that is very interesting. And I really encourage everyone to have a look on the impact of COVID-19 on young people in the EU that actually highlights very well how the pandemic has been eating young people. And the fact that young people were somehow recovering from the recent economic crisis of the, the last decade and then the pandemic arrived and hit them again. And once again, there, the recommendation for policymakers is to do more for young people. And investing in mobility programs is one of the things that policymakers should be doing. But the others are creating more opportunities for quality employment, long-term quality employment for young people, quality housing. So, All set of social security measures to ensure a better life for young people and providing mobility programs for education training purposes is just part of it. So it's not the silver bullet but it's part of a more coherent set of policies to improve the life of young people.
0: I see, I see. So a more holistic approach towards investment in youth, if I understand you correctly. You've mentioned the large increase in the current multi financial framework. Um, Are we doing the right investments or are we missing some elements in, in the way the investment is provided at the EU level?
1: Well, talking about the mobility program, I mean, I see this as an evolution and I see uh, going in the in the right direction. For instance, there's more and more attention on the, giving the possibility to young people with fewer opportunities to take part into, into the program. It is often said, well, not by me, but the Erasmus is a kind of elite program. And I don't think so. I mean, Erasmus, we, we discussed about the barriers to participating to the program. So it's about fighting or, you know, erasing those barriers that we need to do. So making sure that young people have social security, quality jobs, quality education, this will allow them to participate in the Erasmus program, I would say. It's not by increasing, you know, And number of times, or putting much more money that will give the possibility to more young people. It's about, you know, providing them more opportunities in their everyday life that will tell, okay, I can also do an Erasmus experience. So I would say that the responsibility is only partially on the way the program is built. It's a lot on the opportunities that young people have in their own communities provided by you know, the the authorities where they live in.
0: Um, I see linking to this often said uh, uh, comment on the eliteness of, of the program. We often, you know, face the, the the challenge of okay, but what about the young people who don't want to do mobility? And that's where coming back to this quote from the Vice President Skinner's like, is this is should everyone, every young European go on Erasmus in one way or another?
1: Well, I understood that it was said that every young people should have the right to go on mobility, not the duty to go <laughs> on mobility. So in a way I, I believe that every young people should have the right to access its own rights. And I mentioned some of them already. And what we see is that when the rights of young people, basic rights are fulfilled, they are more keen to experience a mobility experience, being it for volunteering, training, education. So they feel more ready and we're seeing this with the pandemic i mean young people are really going through an experience of you know losing jobs the sectors of the economy that have been hit the most are the sectors where actually they were usually employed you know so financial insecurity this led to mental health problems we need to fix those problems before you know, even thinking that a young person would want to go on a mobility opportunity.
0: I see. Yeah, and b- building on the on the situation of, of, the, of the pandemic, which obviously affected concrete mobility program, um, a lot of the somebody coming from the Commission and the, the Erasmus was about the digital Erasmus. Could you tell us, you know, your feeling about all this, or what, what your views on on the digital Erasmus experience?
1: As as all sectors of society, we had to adapt a little bit sectors of the economy. I mean, we see it. I mean, we are many are uh, teleworking. Uh, we, we're not going so often to the office. And I would say the same actually for the education sector, for the mobilities in a way. So they went through more or less the same as I would say, meaning that they had to adapt. So Partially, we could still have mobilities either to adapt and move more on the digital uh, sphere. But as much as possible, we try to get the mobility, the real mobility opportunity in the progress. So not everything stopped, of course, like the rest of society. So I wouldn't say this was good or was bad. I would say that a lot was learned. So a lot of lessons learned there. And probably like in any other sector of society, things will be, will be different in the future. We cannot still say how, but I still believe firmly that the mobility as such is a value and it embeds, you know, learning into it. The mobility experience itself. So I, I I don't think this will be just replaced by digital means. To answer your question,
0: thank you, Alfonso. So we see the digital component being uh, in addition to the initial uh, initial nature of of the experience. You mentioned values, and I think it's it's very important. And and I believe you 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 work currently on on the European Solidarity Corps, which was very value founded. I think when we when we heard uh, the announcement from President Juncker, do we really see this uh, European solidarity Core, uh, bringing more uh, commitment of young people in their communities? Do we see really this uh, value impact? Yeah, I
1: do see it as I see the value in other youth programs. I mean, to me, the value that it produces is uh, creating communities. It creates community among young people with other communities. So only for that, I wouldn't really uh, you know, focus on what it is produced by a project. I mean, we have a lot of amazing outcomes by projects, helping uh, refugees, helping elderly people where, you know, in this pandemic situation. But I really see the biggest value in creating communities. And this is what these kind of programs do, and only for that it's worth investing into it.
0: I see. Would you say that uh, Erasmus is uh, is a central element of of what we could call a a European civic education?
1: I would say it's 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 an important component of it, and it creates you know value and raise awareness around the European project. So yes. It does. It is an important component of it.
0: Maybe building on, on this question of of, of uh, we going a bit outside the scope of the Erasmus generation itself, but uh, on on the civic education, do you do you see more more action to be taken at European level in this regard?
1: Well, I, I wouldn't say only at the European level. More action is needed at all levels. I mean, the European level has provided some tools to do that. Of course, more can be done, but a lot needs to be done at different levels as well. So I wouldn't put everything on the on the shoulder of the Erasmus program, as indeed we make it now it like the silver bullet. And as we said, it is not. It's part of the solution. It's, it cannot be the solution alone. The youth programs, the exchange programs.
0: Of course, of course, and. Um... You know, the, the audience of pep talks is, is quite large and uh, include a variety of progressive policymakers, uh, activists and academics. What message would you like to to give maybe to the progressive forces uh, out there to, to overcome the challenge that you have highlighted in, in our exchange today?
1: Well, I would give a very, you know, very, I would say even bland suggestion. If you never tried a mobility experience, do it. Erasmus is not only for young people, it is open to a much wider audience. So there is a component about adult education, there is a sport component. So in a way, the opportunities to go out and experience mobility have been multiplied. So if you haven't done that, do it, first of all. And once you realize the potential of it, the powerfulness of it, then you will be convinced that more in this direction uh, can be done. And not only about mobility, but about, about supporting programs, initiatives that are building communities that are creating this common, you know, values around our common project.
0: Thank you, Alfonso. I think that's a that's a powerful call and I'm sure it will be heard. We are now reaching the end of our, of our podcast and I think that the clear message you have sent us today is important that... Beyond the success and the challenges of the Erasmus program and uh, the so-called Erasmus generation or generations, if to, be, to be more accurate, we hear that the main element that we need to work on is about providing uh, more opportunities for young people to contribute to society and democracy and ensuring that all their rights are fulfilled. So um, unless you have anything to add, Alfonso, I would like to thank you very much on behalf of FEPS for joining FEPS Talks today. And I wish you uh, an excellent day or night, depending when you listen to this podcast. Thank you, Francois.
1: Thank you, FEPS.
0: Thank you very much, everyone, for listening in the today's FEPS Talks episode on Erasmus Generation. And uh, feel free to subscribe and share uh, this podcast and other fantastic content you can find on our website and social media. Thank you very much. And that's all for us. Thank you for your attention. If you found our conversation interesting, do not hesitate to share it on social media with the hashtag #FepsTalks. More is yet to come. Stay tuned.